caring for others. When you care so much, you do it for a living. You're helping people out there all the time. And yet you've got a family and yet you've got illness and you've got grief and you've got the things that happen at home. It's like, how do you care that much? That's what we're talking about. Katie First is next. The heat is on. Let's get cooking. This is Purpose Under Pressure, sharing stories of why we're here and how we fight to make it happen. We are in our third season, folks. Thank you. And if you are here and you like it enough to listen, can you do me a favor? Hit that follow button or subscribe or leave a review or tell a friend we're here. It's important because it helps to let other people know that this show might just be worth a listen too. So thank you for that if you'll do so. Purpose Under Pressure brought to you in partnership with the Ruby Group, Sandler Sales Training, serving sales professionals nationwide from their Akron and Columbus, Ohio, Jacksonville, Florida locations. You know, selling is an art. It doesn't happen by accident. And it's at the heart of everything you do in the business world. So if you're going to do it, do it on purpose with the Ruby Group. And check them out online at therubygroup.sandler.com. Folks, I consider myself a nice guy, but there are people out there in the world that are just flat out better humans than me. Most of them are. Um, I keep trying to do my world, uh, my, my for-profit world and doing it well. But there are those who serve others in need, and I just look up to them and admire them because I can't do it. I'm not built that way. You're about to meet someone who is. Katie First is the executive director of Feeding Medina County. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. You, I just love people who can have the heart to serve others. I don't have that. I don't even know what that feels like. I like to help people, but to lead an organization whose purpose is to do that, I don't know how I would do it. What What is it about you <laughs> that because this is what you've done all your life. What is it about you that serves others in in such a way? You know, that's a very interesting question. I've as a kid, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and you know, it, it gets a little more stressful as you get into high school and college, and you're thinking, where am I going? Where is my life going? Um, something that always sticks with me, and I think is a funny story, is that when I was a junior in high school. And I went to a Catholic high school. We all had to take this big test and it told you, this is what you would be great at. Here's some careers. And my options were a geologist, a bus driver, or a nun. Um, none of those are really for me, but right. the more I thought about it, and they probably did put like every other person as a nun or a priest, but I didn't you know, think of that at the time. Uh, but I do feel that helping others was always something that I wanted to do. And I knew... I wasn't going to do it as a doctor or a nurse. That's just not something I could do. And I never really even thought of going into the nonprofit sector. It kind of found me. I was working at a pet store when I was in college and finishing my bachelor's. And one day I'm putting up these things on the rack. It was summertime dog toys. So they were like watermelons and beach balls and, you know, silly things that your dog might want in the summertime or you might want sure. in the summertime. Yeah. And I put one up and I go, my life has literally no meaning. I'm oh. putting up all of these things and it's going to come fall. And I'm going to take all the summertime things down. I'm going to send them back to the parent company and I'm going to put up pumpkin spice lattes and leaves. And I'm going to do this forever. And I just said, I cannot do this anymore. And that was the day I went home and I started applying for some nonprofits. 
Yeah. And you said that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something that helps someone else. I'm just going to make that yes. my cause. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, let's kind of walk our way through this because feeding Medina County in itself is a purpose-driven, passionate organization that serves a huge need. I'd like to talk about that, but then I also want to talk about how you do it. But let's brag a little bit about feeding Medina County. It's a strange thing to say brag, but you are taking care of people. Let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. I am so proud of our organization. So we just revamped our mission. Obviously, feeding people is at the heart of what we do. And so our new mission is that we nourish our neighbors in need. And I love that. Easy mm -hmm. to remember. Yeah. It really speaks to what we do. Uh, well we're done. not just feeding people. We're doing our best to nourish you. Feeding Medina County, since I've come on board, has made leaps and bounds in the foods that we provide for folks. We've really shifted from, you know, thinking about it just as we're giving you food to we're giving you food that's going to let you live an active and healthy life. So, you know, is everything we give out perfect? No, of course not. You know, we have some parameters to our programs that we have to stick with. We have a budget, obviously, to stay within, but we're really being cognizant of getting as much fresh produce as we can, giving people meat particularly, you know, lean meats and locally raised meats like ground beef, ground pork, chicken, um, giving people like the eggs and the dairy they need for healthy bones. And this is huge. So the pandemic obviously kind of shot up uh, the world of food insecurity and got people thinking about it. Obviously, it also unfortunately forced more people to be in need at that point in time. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is our numbers haven't gone down since 2020 because we've been able to say, okay, we started serving this many people. It's sustainable for us as an organization. What do we do to better serve those people? And so we went from serving about, you know, 1,700, 1,800 a month when I started to we're now serving just under 4,000 people each month because we took a look at it and said, it doesn't make sense to have everybody come just to Medina to get food. Let's do some partnerships. Let's partner with the parks in Lodi. Let's partner with the schools in Wadsworth and Brunswick and make sure that no matter where you live in the county, you have an option that's close to you and you have different times that work for you. So we're trying to break those barriers down. And that's how we're serving that many people, which I'm super proud of. Let me help me to understand why the the problem keeps growing. Medina, the city, of course, is this mm -hmm. beautiful, you know, uh, uh, looks like it came out of a postcard type Christmas thing. It's it's and and it, it's it's a well to do organ, you know, community just mm -hmm. outside of of a major metropolitan. Why is there such a need, and why can't we see it? Why does it keep growing? I think there's a couple things that kind of factor into that. So one is. Medina County has that rural history. So we do, you know, we're not just thinking about the we city of Medina, that. but mm -hmm. all of that spread. And so, you know, there's folks that have just lived in poverty and deep rural poverty. They might not be close to a grocery store. They might not be close to that metropolitan area. They may not have reliable transportation. So many reasons. Um, but there's that history of folks that just, and, and again, that rural community, we have that spirit, right? Like we're going to do this on our own. We're going to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're not going to let people know 
that we need help because we don't want people to, to think badly of us. So there's that like small towns talk aspect where people aren't necessarily telling others that they're in need. Um, and yet they may have been, and their families may have been for years and years. There's also people that, you know, unfortunately we talked about it before you've been affected by the pandemic. Maybe you lost your job, you were laid off for six months and it just put you behind. And you're in that cycle now of trying to catch back up and catch back up to where you were. And yet it's not always possible. People's hours are cut or they fluctuate. There, there's so many wild things. We've got single parents um, yeah. that are, of course, you know, struggling. We've got dual income parents who, you know, could be struggling for another reason. We've got seniors who are living on fixed income. And, you know, especially there's a lot of folks right now in their late 80s, early 90s who always thought, Social Security is going to take care of me when I get older because that's what they were told and weren't necessarily saving for retirement the way people are now. So some folks are surviving just on, you know, a meager $800 a month and it's not enough. It's not enough with the cost of living, the inflation in the past, yeah. you know, whatever it's been now, a year and a half, two years is crushing a lot of people. And so we see folks who never have struggled before, who now, when you pay your mortgage and your car payment and all those things that are important that you have to pay, yeah, what you don't have money left for is food, is clothing. Are those expendables that really aren't, you know, things that you can just skimp on, you still need them to survive, but they're not tied to your credit report or tied to yeah. a home or a car that could be taken away if you're not paying for it. Yeah, things things have gotten a little bit out of control when it comes to inflation. I, we we yeah, bought one of those large cans of, uh, I don't even know what kind of brand it was, but it was chicken. It was canned chicken, one of the big cans. It was $17. Yeah. I had to look at the price again. And, and I, you know, and, and you know, we, we're, we, we're fortunate enough to be able to buy our own, but it cuts in. And then my kids are telling me that their college loans are about to restart. Mm -hmm. and, and like all these things just keep adding up. And so I'm interested, Katie, uh, I, I think back to when you were at the pet store, that was mm -hmm. an ongoing job that you never thought was going to finish. Yeah. But isn't, but isn't this as well? Are you, are you finding that your purpose is being satisfied, even though this is a problem that's actually getting worse? I, I do. Um, and, you know, the goal, of course, is that our vision as an organization is that we want to find, we want to become a Medina County where everyone has enough to eat. Yeah. To me, that's something that's aspirational. Like we can work towards that. And regardless of if, if there's more people in need, if we're finding more folks need us, we're still working towards an end goal that, let's be real, probably will never be achieved, but it's something that you know you're going to work every day and you have that purpose. You're going in and whether you feed one person or you feed 575 that day, you're making a difference in someone's life. A real person is eating, is having a meal because of you and what you do. And that's what really keeps me going. I mean, days are tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff is things that people don't even think of and see. Like I'm trying to write grants and beg for money so that we do have, you know, yeah. what we need to make this work happen. I'll tell you right now, it is not cheap to feed, you know, 3,800 people a month. Right. It's astronomical. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, you, you go out there and you do it because you know that someone's eating because of your work. And so you're out there doing it and you're getting it done and you're finding the money and you're finding the resources. And, and, but I'm also, so those, that's enough pressure. It is. I'm, in, I'm interested too, Katie, in how you 
overcome a lot of other things because with all of that going on, you're a young person. I don't know a lot about you. I think, you know, family probably matters. Can you talk to me a little bit too about the pressures that get in the way? Uh, maybe not even just on the job, but how do you kind of keep all of this together? Uh, it's a lot of like, you know, juggling all of those balls or plates in the air every single day. We have, my husband and I, uh, we live in Sharon Township. We have three okay. young kiddos, eight, 10, and I'm going to screw this up, 13, soon <laughs> to be 14. But that's a lot of pressure. Um, I think about things every day and I'm going, oh my gosh, we have three years until Phoenix, our oldest is going to college. Okay. What are we doing? Yeah. We've got, you know, baseball practice tonight. We've got football practice tonight. How are we going to get everyone here? And it's a lot of, um, you know, we just laugh. We're like, my husband and I are two ships in the night. We don't see each other during the week until probably eight thirty, nine o'clock at night because someone's taking one kid somewhere and someone's with someone else. But it's not quite that simple, is it? You, yeah. you're, you told me a little bit about your husband. Uh, you guys are both taking on the challenges, but he's got some pressures and, pur and uh, purpose on his own. Talk a little bit about yeah. your family dynamic, would you? Sure. Um, so my husband and I, uh, we're both almost 40 now, and we've got the three kiddos that we, which we talked about. My husband had an accident back in 2016. Uh, he actually has something called cauda equina syndrome. It's on the rare diseases list, and it's a spinal cord injury that happens at the base of the spine, and it can paralyze you. You have to have surgery within 48 hours of having an injury that causes um, that spinal cord to be clamped in that region. And he had an accident that wasn't even, you know, something that you would have noted. A lot of people, this happens to them if they're in a car crash, they fall off a ladder from a roof. My husband was simply clicking our son's, our youngest son's um, car seat into the base in the car, and he felt something pop in his back. And within 24 hours, he could not walk. He could not go to the bathroom. We knew something was really wrong. We rushed him to the hospital and he had emergency surgery, but we didn't get there quite in time. So he's not paralyzed fully. He's what you would call a walking paraplegic. He can walk, but he has no feeling in the bottoms of his feet and the backs of his legs. So he's got exceptional grit because he has taught himself to walk. He said he kind of does it by feel. He can feel the vibration to know if he's there. And here he is doing it. He still works every day. He owns a business up in the Cleveland area. He's a mechanic. He's a master mechanic. Um, him and his friend here, they, his friend lives in Hinkley. They've owned this shop for 11 years now and it's only three of them. So they're up there, they're working on fleet vehicles. They're running the day-to-day -day business aspects. And then both of them are, we're Highland family. So we both come home and everybody's running around to get the boys to football practice and, you know, kids to where they need to be. It's, it's a lot. on the rule, only decision makers can get other people to make decisions. Each and every day, we have a decision to make. Also, when we're with buyers in our sales process, we have a decision to make how we're gonna lead that interaction. And if I'm somebody that can make daily commitments and keep those daily commitments, then when I'm with buyers, I expect them to make commitments and keep those commitments to me throughout that sales process. So first and foremost, I have to have a decided heart in order to lead other people to make the decisions that I'm expecting them to make. You're overcoming these pressures regardless of, of, of the things that you have to do. I'm, I'm interested yeah. in when that happened, mm -hmm. 
how did that affect everything else? You're already caring for 3,000 people with food and, and, and all, you're already doing that for others. How yes. are you able to shift and also take care of yourself and of your family and of your husband? Oh boy, like right now? Anytime. I mean, that's Anytime. just gotta be a lot. It is a lot. Um, and the, I don't have a good answer for you other than what motivates me, you know, is at work is helping other folks. What motivates me at home is giving my kids the best life that I can. So, um, that's kind of where I see things like my entertainment, my husband's entertainment is, you know, watching the boys at football practice or spending Saturdays with them on the field and watching them. I was lucky enough to coach our youngest when he played flag football. And that was probably one of the most rewarding experiences of my life as a parent is just being able to be there and be on the field and see you and your friends grow as athletes. Uh, our daughter rides horses. She's got vision issues in one eye and to see her kind of when she gets on these animals to, to put that aside and say, okay, I'm going to trust in you. And we're going to literally fly because we're going over these jumps and we're running around these arenas and to see her confidence grow. Those are those moments that make it all worthwhile for me. And I know it, it doesn't sound like it's something for myself, but it is, I never had those opportunities as a child. And I just want them to have like the world. And I know, you know, I can't give them everything, but I want to give them at least like the confidence in themselves, that ability to push through when times get tough and just to know that their parents are there for them and that we're, we're watching and we love it. And, and are you relying on your family as well to help you with things uh, like that? Or are it, because that's a lot on your plate. I keep thinking about the people that are hungry and the people that you're serving. And yet you've, you've got this whole other world to take care of as well. You, yeah. Do you have a support system and is that strong? Um, uh, not really. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, I lost a lot of my family members since 2020. So my grandmother passed away. My dad passed away in 2021. And my dad and my stepmom live pretty far away anyway. Um, I lost my best friend and then my last living grandmother. She passed away earlier this year. I do have like my, my mom is close-ish, about an hour away from us. My godmother and my favorite aunt lives 20 minutes away. So she helps me out a lot. Uh, we're actually going to go there and see her and uh, her boyfriend tonight. So there's family, but they're not I see some people who are so lucky uh, and like they've got their mom and dad who babysit for them all the time or who can drive people and transport them. I don't have that. My mom works. Uh, my stepmom lives three hours away in the Dayton area. My husband's parents are up near Cleveland, but his mom had a stroke when she was five. So his dad takes care of her a lot. It's not possible for them to come down here and do these things for us. So a lot of it does fall on us, but we always have people we can talk to. See, I love the smile. You haven't stopped smiling through all of this. And I, and I think that's amazing. I, I think about I think about the people that you serve. I think about me, myself. I talk to you about there are people that are better humans than me. Like if in my world, if if something happens and something right, for instance, right now something is happening, I'm having to have a couple of days off. I call my customers and say, you know, social media might be a little slow this week. Yeah. It's it's no no worries. It's not the end of the world. Right. In your world when things like that happen when you're taking care of your husband and trying to take care of you and you've got uh, grief that you're trying to deal with yet people aren't eating. Right. How, how how do you when when you're not able to be there and get things done? How do you rank 
when you're in a nonprofit world, taking care of others, and it's so important that you do it well, and yet you've got these pressures at home. How do you rank things? How do you prioritize your day? Well, I'd be lying if I said, you know, my, my job isn't high up on that priority list because I pride myself in what I do and making sure that people have what they need. We've got the most amazing staff at Feeding Medina County. So I know that I have folks there that if the going gets tough and, you know, like today, I'm, I'm at home right now and I'm coming in a little bit late. I know that Dan and Kelly and Christy have that office running and Jeff in the warehouse. Like there's nothing for me to worry about. It's taken me a long time in my career to get to that point where I can say I trust fully in my staff that they're going to do what needs to be done. Um, mm-hmm. But that's been really life-changing for me because it kind of gets rid of that type A attitude that I have and says, okay, you've got a staff that you know you work with every day. You know where their heart is. You know they love the work. You know they're going to handle it. And so that has been you know, a life changer for me, just knowing that I can, even if I'm physically not in the office, like when I broke my leg this summer, my leg and my ankle, I I had to stay home for a month. I had to elevate my leg and I could not put my foot down. They brought me my laptop. Kelly drove over to my house, brought me my laptop, brought me what I needed. And I never panicked. I never said things are falling apart at feeding Medina County because I knew they were on the ball and they were handling it. And they did. Uh, nobody called me and freaked out about things. They just took care of it. That's the most important thing is just having that trust in the folks that I work with and knowing that their heart is in the right place too. One of the things that I hope this show does is motivate other leaders to, to become great leaders. You are obviously one. How were you able to develop that confidence in your staff? Did they just show up and all of a sudden you said, hey, I've got good staff? Or <laughs> did it require some letting go? What can you share with other leaders to help them do the same? Two of the staff members, Dan and Kelly, were there when I started. So they've got technically seniority <laughs> over me. Dan has been with Feeding Medina County over 10 years. I knew immediately upon meeting him that he loved his job. He loves what he does. And we kind of just clicked right away because it was the two of us sitting there in the office. Uh, same with Kelly. When she she was doing some work from home and then when she started coming in, I said, oh, this girl is great. Um, and it was a lot of, at that point, she was part-time. And I said, what can we do to support her and bring her up to where she is also a director within the organization? How can we bring Dan up more and elevate his position? So what I tried to do is work with my board and say, we've got these two amazing people that we don't want to lose because they have have all of the characteristics that we're looking for. They're an asset to this organization. So part of it was, you know, how can I develop my staff, make them elevate them in their career, make sure that they're getting the satisfaction out of it, not just at the, you know, we're feeding people, we're doing good level, but at that like career and purpose level, you know, am I being appreciated by the organization that I give so much to? And yes, we can do that as leaders because we can look at their job descriptions. We can change your title. We can give you a salary bump. These are things we can give you flexibility where if you need to work from home because your kids are off school or someone is sick and we can put that trust in you and say, well, we know you're going to do the work, take your laptop and go and just 
you know, that's been part of it. And then we brought on two additional folks, Jeff and, and now Christy this year. And it's been a lot of the same thing. You know, how can we make sure that these folks feel satisfied? What can I do to know that, to make them know that I appreciate what's happening uh, and what they're doing in the warehouse and on the phones and with the clients that come to visit us? So I really try to make sure that my staff feels appreciated, that they know that I know they're doing a good job. Because that's what I always wanted. I think that's the right way to lead. Lead, lead the way you would want to be led. I'm thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. I don't think the economy is going to get any better anytime soon. I think I we're on it. that track, right? We've seen the economies <laughs> going up and down. And I think we're on that road. Um, what's the future look like for Feeding Medina County? What's the pressures that you're going to have to overcome to serve the need tomorrow? So uh, we're in the midst of our budgeting process, which is always fun for anyone in a nonprofit. And, you know, doing forecasting and looking at those numbers of folks that we're serving, plus looking at the cost of goods, which is nowhere near what it was in 2020 and 2021. uh, One of the big things that I'm working on now is how will we secure funding and make sure that we can continue to nourish these community members in need and do so, you know, with our small staff of technically five people, but if you put the two part-timers together, that's a staff of four. <laughs> right, so right. it's uh, it's a lot of brainstorming now and me thinking about like, what is feasible? You know, how many grants can I write? What can we do to convey to our donors that this need is here, it's going nowhere, and that they're the ones that are helping us to to meet that need and to ensure that we're not turning anyone away. Um, so that's been a lot of things on my mind right now is just mm-hmm. looking at the funding and looking at the future, right? We, we want Feeding Medina County to be here essentially in perpetuity. So looking at ways that not we're not just funding, you know, the 2024 fiscal yeah. year, but we're also looking at sustainable practices, sustainable funding so that we're here essentially for as long as the community needs us. Folks, maybe you can help, Katie. Maybe you need to use some of the services that Katie and her team offer. There may be things that uh, you guys need to talk about. So, Katie, if someone wanted to reach out to you or find out more about Feeding Medina County, how would they do so? The best way to get me is always email um, Katie, K-A-T-Y, at feedingmedinacounty.org. You can also give us a call, 330-421-4816 is the main line. Um, and anyone can talk to you or direct you to me uh, for whatever the, the need may be. I think people that have a heart for others and have a heart for themselves and their families, they have a, 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 a different kind of reality. And the, the neat thing is that when you're diving in head first, Katie, I don't think there's any clouds that you're not going to be able to walk through. You've just got that attitude of, I'm going to be fine. We're going to take care of people and we're going to smile all the way through it. And I think people are better off because there's people like you leading organizations like yours. Thank you. Appreciate it, Brian. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for being a part of the show. It's called Purpose Under Pressure by, by On Purpose. And that's what you're doing. And so you're Every kind day. of the obvious, uh, <laughs> obvious person. So thank you, Katie. That is Katie First. She is the executive director of Feeding Medina County, and she is making it happen for many and will be doing so moving forward. So if you can help her out and if there's financial or any other ways that you can be a part of what she's doing there, please reach out to her. That's Katie First. She's my guest on Purpose Under Pressure. It's brought to you by the Ruby Group Sandler Sales Training. Sellers are under pressure to perform and Sandler helps you to succeed 
on purpose. You will find all past episodes of Purpose Under Pressure at brianmediastrategies.com slash podcast and wherever you stream your podcasts. We do this every week. We'll do it again next week and we'll see you next time on Purpose.